best week. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Troy. If you came to praise Jehovah, say hallelujah out loud. That's what the word means, praise Jehovah. We're in Genesis chapter 6. If you've got a paper Bible, if you're old school and you're rocking the paper Bible, you can flip open to there today. We're going to have the scripture and the notes up on the screens for you. I just got back on Thursday night from a trip to Italy. Now, I have this... trick that I use to try to beat jet lag. So I try to stay awake for a long time while I'm on my way somewhere and when I'm returning from a long flight to reset my body's clock. Try to do a lot of reading or a lot of working while I'm on the airplane, but inevitably all of the shades are down, it's dark, it gets really rough, especially when you've been up for 24, 36 hours, and so I'll inevitably turn to movies. And on the way back from Italy, I started to watch a couple of movies back to back. I didn't really recognize this at front or up front, but I watched the movie Till. That movie is hard to sit through because of the incredible racial violence that you see in that movie and just how hateful the human heart could be. I followed that movie Till Up with a movie called The Fablemans, the famous or the fabulous Fablemans about anti-Semitism and hatred in the human heart for somebody's race or mean somebody's religion. And then after that, I didn't even see this one coming, but I watched the movie She Said, which exposes gross sexual abuse in the workplace. And then it started to hit me. I'm watching hate cinema today on the airplane. It went from racism to gender discrimination. It went from religion to even the movie Empire of Light. It's uh, about abusing a woman because of her mental health conditions. And I sat there and I watched these movies and it occurred to me, all that I'm watching is how hatred can take root in the human heart, and then it starts to spread from there. And it doesn't matter what society, it doesn't matter what the hatred is about. It can be color of skin, it can be the uh, gender, it can be about the way that you look or about the way that you dress. But man, the worst part about this for me is before the plane even landed, it occurred to me We live in a world where hatred is so prevalent that these movie directors portray it like it's no big deal. In fact, I kind of want to ask you, at home or in this room, show of hands, how many of you out there at some point in your life have been criticized, ostracized, bullied, discriminated against because of something in your life? Seriously, go ahead and raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. You see, the truth is, as I watched these movies, it started to show me that this is so prevalent in human society that it doesn't matter where you go, it doesn't matter what culture or what time frame or where you're at on planet Earth, there is great hatred in the human heart. 
And I started to wonder, why do we have to live in a world where that kind of hatred exists? Like if God is watching this and he sees this kind of hatred and mistreatment of each other, what does it feel like from God's perspective? I'm just watching it on an airplane trying to stay awake for a couple of more hours. But what does this look like for God if he's watching this from heaven? And that's when it occurred to me, I kind of wonder if God is not sitting up there and asking the question, has everybody on earth, has every family on earth gone crazy? Now let me describe what I mean by this word crazy today because I'm going to use it several times. I'm not talking about a mental health condition. I'm talking about the insane decision to say, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to call the shots in my life. I don't care what God's says, I'm going to do what feels good. I'm going to do what feels right in my own eyes. What Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they chose the forbidden fruit instead of following God is insane. And what we see today in the Bible is crazy to the extreme. Maybe the worst moments in the entire history of the human race this is the results of what happens when people do their own thing instead of following God. So I want you to follow with me in the Bible for just a few minutes on what kind of society you get when people start to go down the road of crazy and doing what they want or what feels good instead of what they know in their soul is the right thing to do. And it starts in Genesis chapter 6 with this perverted family tree. Now at this point, we have one family tree. It's the human race. And at this point, the human race becomes polluted. It, comes, it becomes perverted. I'm just gonna warn you right now, what I'm about to read next is extremely controversial, and people are all over the map of what these verses are actually saying. Are y'all ready for this? Roll up your sleeves, buckle your seatbelts. Here we go, Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 1. When mankind began to multiply on the earth, now, I want to say about this word multiply, that's a good thing. That's actually what God wants for mankind when he created them and said, go have babies, multiply, fill the earth, be fruitful. Except for, thank you, Atlas, except for what you see next. When mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt, they are perverted, they have polluted what I made that was pure and perfect. Their days will be 120 years and the Nephilim were on the earth, both in those days and afterwards. And when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them, they were powerful men of old, the famous men. 
I got to go back for just a second to this phrase that we see on the Bible. Now, thank God for everybody in Two Cities Church that has been giving generously to our online giving campaign. I was able to tune in live from Italy and watch as Pastor Troy last week read from the ancient human phone book, basically. Genesis chapter 5, I didn't set him up on purpose. And by the way, Pastor Troy, had he's done a better job with that chapter than I could, described the descendants of Adam. Adam, of course, is the son of God. Adam has a child, Seth. Seth is the son of Adam. And now what you have in the Bible are the descendants of Adam and the descendants of Seth. And this phrase shows up. This phrase is extremely controversial because Bible scholars are just confused about who are these Sons, plural, of God. The phrase son of God, singular, it shows up a lot of times in your Bible. But sons of God is very, very rare. In fact, it only shows up in three other places. Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, Job chapter 38, or if you're in South Africa, the book of Job, 1, 2, and 38. In the book of Job, or Job, the sons of God parade themselves in heaven before God, and God holds, God has conversations with the angels of God. That's what Job is describing by this phrase, sons of God. And if you're sitting there saying, wait a second, Jeff, are you telling me that angels had relations, sexual relations with women? Well, apparently that's what the Bible is telling us today. It's saying, ladies, y'all are so beautiful that even the angels in heaven see it and they decide, I want to take a human wife. The problem is with the word took here. Because we don't have enough evidence to figure out exactly what's happening, but it's plausible that the angels are molesting women, getting them pregnant, then marrying them and having children with them. And I personally believe, just so you know where Jeff is on this, we're talking about the fallen angels, those followers of Satan that have now come down and corrupted the human bloodline, had relations with women, and are taking these women, perhaps against their will, having relations with them, and having children with them. That's what we read about in Genesis chapter 6. It's so bad that God says, I, I am not putting up with these morons on earth for 969 years anymore. Tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to set the human body to wear out at about 120 years. That's how bad it's becoming. And you can just casually read this phrase in the Bible and not miss the fact that this is not good and God is not pleased with this. And God is going to try to protect the human race by making sure that people don't live for seven, eight, nine hundred years in Genesis 6, like Pastor Troy described for us in Genesis chapter 5. It's one thing. For the humankind to multiply on the earth, if these are good people doing the right thing, but it's a whole nother thing if these are bad people 
doing the wrong thing. And by the way, these babies that they're having, the name Nephilim, these children are big babies, strong babies, powerful babies. Numbers chapter 13, nation of Israel at the edge of the promised land. Moses sends some spies out to go check out the land that God has promised them for 400 years. And when 10 of those 12 men come back, they say, there's no way that we can defeat those people in war. The reason why we can't defeat them is because the Nephilim live in those lands. And this is the exact language that those 10 men on a reconnaissance mission use. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. They're famous warriors. They can't be defeated by human power. Of course, two of those guys on the reconnaissance mission says, no kidding, we can't defeat them. But if God goes into that land with us, we got nothing to worry about. And here what you see is that the human bloodline has become polluted and these big, powerful warriors are left on the earth. And when people are evil, look up here for just a second. When there's no restraint and they will do whatever they want, big, powerful men will take whatever they want and hurt whoever they want to get what feels good or what feels right. That's the kind of conditions that you have in Genesis chapter six. I don't know about you, but at this point, the bloodline has become so jacked up. The family tree has become so polluted that it can't be repaired. And this tree has become so messed up that there's no going back and fixing it. You might have come, like I did, from a crooked family tree. And if you came from a crooked family tree, there's a powerful lie that Satan likes to use for people who grew up in messed up families. If you didn't come from the pure, perfect family, which none of us did, Satan likes to tempt us to fall into the same routine of our parents and our parents before us by saying, it's not your fault. You were born into it, and it's inevitable, so why do you even keep trying to fight against it? Just give in. Just do the same thing that your parents or your grandparents did. That's what's going on in Genesis chapter 6. Church, can I remind you of something? God is in the business of creating straight branches on broken and bent family trees, and God does that by fixing the human heart, and you might be the very thing that straightens out a really messed up family past. That's why we're going to make a big deal about Mother's Day around here in a few weeks, because there are plenty of mothers that come from broken homes. They live in broken homes, single moms and working moms that are doing everything they can to try to raise their families upright because what they grew up in is really, really broken. And we want to honor those moms. We want to bless those moms. You'll hear more about that at the end of the service. You have this perverted family tree. And when you put these powerful warriors on that perverted family tree, now you have the perfect recipe for evil. Evil 
unlike anything the human race has ever seen before, and don't miss what I'm about to say next, evil unlike the human race will ever see again, I want you to hear what the Bible is going to say about how crooked, how crazy the family tree has become. But before I do that, I just want to ask you, those of you who have been with us for a few weeks, how far away are we right now from the pure perfect humans that God created? How many chapters away are we from this in Genesis chapter 6? How far away? We're three chapters away from Genesis 3, where God has still have a perfect man and a perfect woman in the garden who are having a conversation with the serpent. In three chapters, I want you to notice what's happened to the human race Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And he was deeply grieved. And then the Lord said... I'll wipe mankind whom I created off the face of the earth. Together with the animals, the creatures that crawl, and the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. That's how bad the human condition has become. I got to pause for just a second, and I need to break down verse 5 on the screens for just a second. Because we're just three chapters away from the pure, perfect creatures that God put on planet earth. He makes the heavens, he makes the earth, he makes paradise called the Garden of Eden, and then he puts two perfect creatures in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were destined to become God's representatives. Their job was to represent God, basically to rule with God as his vice regents on this earth. And then Adam and Eve went crazy. And they decided, that fruit looks good, and I don't care what God says, I'm going to eat it anyway. And if you're following along with the Bible, at no point does God create disease. At no point does God create disaster. At no point does God create human suffering Sin did that. We did that. Adam and Eve take the fruit. They think it's no big deal. I'm just going to take a bite of this fruit. I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to do it anyway. And in Genesis chapter 4, their son is murdering his brother. And by the time that you get to Genesis chapter 6, four phrases. Would you look at these four phrases with me for just a second? They saw... When God looked down from heaven, I want you to notice what God sees when he looks at the human heart, what God can see and nobody else can see, that wickedness is widespread on the earth. Basically, that phrase is telling you there's no place you can go on earth that you're not going to be surrounded by evil. And not only that, but Every inclination. It's not just sometimes they're thinking about evil. They're only thinking about evil. 
Every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil. And just to drive it home, it was only evil all the time. From the time that they were born until the time that they died, everything that they did, all that they thought about was nothing but evil all of the time. And this bloodline got so corrupted that it can't be fixed. You ever have a phone that you mess around with, tinker just a little bit, and it's not working right. So you call technical support, and they're going to try to work you through a couple of steps. And finally, we get to the nuclear option. This thing is so jacked up that we're going to have to erase everything, restore it to the factory settings, and then reinstall uh, everything from a backup. Any, anybody ever had that happen to you? That's what just happened to the human race. This has become so bad that we can't fix this anymore. There's no simple tweaks here and tweaks there that can undo this. It's evil that's widespread on the earth. And in the human heart, it's nothing but evil all of the time from the moment that they wake up until the moment that they go to sleep. There's no hope for the human race. It's so perverted, powerfully perverted, that it can't be fixed. And so God's solution is, I'm going to have to do a hard reset. And I'm going to have to wipe all of humanity off the face of the earth. But would you notice, there's going to be a lot of suffering that goes along with this. And I don't mean just people, but the plants and the animals and the birds are going to suffer right along with them because this evil is so great that it cannot be fixed. I'm trying to drive this point home to you, church, because if you're not careful, God is going to look like a monster when you read what happens in the Bible next. I'm convinced Moses put verse 5 in the Bible when he was writing the book of Genesis not to defend God's character. God doesn't need me, he doesn't need you, and he doesn't need Moses to defend his character. Moses is just telling us, let me tell you how bad it's become. It can't be fixed. It's so bad that the only solution is to erase everything and to start all over again. And that's exactly what God is about to do. And for those of us that know Jesus Christ personally, for those of us that have been changed by Jesus Christ, there is going to be some times where you're going to go through some real hardships and it is going to look like this doesn't make sense, this isn't fair, that you're going to go through some suffering that just doesn't add up. And that's when the book of Romans chapter 8 reminds us, God doesn't act arbitrarily. He always has a plan. He always has a purpose. And if you read the end of Romans chapter 8, his purpose is always for our good and for his glory. So if you're hurting right now, if you're suffering right now, and if you're saying, this isn't fair because I don't deserve it, well, that may be true, but it's unfortunately part of this messed up world that we live in. You see, sin created suffering, not God. And I need to make sure that you didn't miss that. So even at home or in this room, I need you to repeat this phrase after me. Sin created suffering. Say it out loud. 
Those animals are about to suffer because of human sin. The plants and the birds and even the creepy things that crawl on the ground, they're going to suffer. They didn't do anything wrong, and they're going to suffer because of human sin. But did you miss it? Did you just pass right over the fact that even God himself is suffering right now because of human sin? Because Jesus or Genesis is telling us God's looking at what's happening in the human heart. And he's heartbroken over it. He grieves over it. He regrets the fact that he created people in the first place if this is what it's become. And God himself is suffering right now and will ultimately suffer because of sin. The suffering that will lead to the death of his son, the only way to do a hard reset on the human heart and to radically change people. If this is where the story ends, none of us are alive today. There's no hope for humanity. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We can't come together and work hard enough to fix this solution. But the Bible shows us one man who, because of him, maybe there's a glimmer of hope for the human race. This is the pure family tree, the one straight branch on the crooked human tree, the branch of Noah, I'm going to read one short verse, and we're going to pause here and pick up next week where we left off. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, Noah, however, and that word however is probably the biggest word in the Bible today. Noah, however, found favor with God. Can I remind you of something? Noah's not smarter than all of the rest of those people on earth right now. He's not stronger, he's not faster, he's not prettier. We live in this world that's absolutely obsessed with human endeavors, with our speed and our skill and our beauty and our, our intellect. Noah doesn't have any of that stuff. All Noah has is a pure heart and an honest relationship with God. And God looks down from heaven, Genesis chapter 6, and he's looking at the human heart, just like he looks at my heart, and he can see deep into your heart. And when God looks down on earth, all he sees is nothing but evil in every heart all of the time. And God says, that's it, I'm done. It's so bad, I am so broken and grieved over what I see. that the only fix is to start all over again. But if it isn't for a guy by the name of Noah, you and I aren't here today. You see, God looks down from heaven and he sees one family that's different from all the rest of them. This family is pure. Their hearts are right. It's actually Noah's spirit. It's not his strength. It's not his skill that rescues the human race. It's Noah's sincere pure relationship with God. And I need you to hear that because some of you come from really broken homes and really messed up pasts. And it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. God still is looking for men and women with this pure, sincere heart. Not perfect, but just pure 
and sincere and willing to follow him. And that kind of heart, God sees from heaven. That kind of heart can change a generation. That kind of heart, literally Noah's heart, can rescue all of humanity. Jesus says it this way. You know, in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and getting married and having a good time, and nobody saw the rain clouds coming. Did it occur to you that you and I are living in the exact same kind of situation as Noah? You see, the first time around, God was so grieved, so disappointed by what he saw that he decided, I'm going to wipe it all off the face of the earth and I'm going to use water to do it. The second time around, the exact same circumstances, exact same conditions, but this time around, I'm going to use fire to do it. And if it isn't for my family, the church, the family of God, there wouldn't be any human race left after the second time that God does a hard reset of planet Earth. God is about to send a great flood. Church, listen very carefully. If you're at home and you're busy, I need you to lean in for just a second. He's about to send a flood to protect the Earth, not to punish the Earth. He's about to send this flood to protect people, not to punish Because if this kind of evil of Noah's day goes unchecked for generations to come after this, there's no limit to how hurt, how much hate and hurt the human heart can create. So I need one guy with a pure heart, one gal with a pure heart that I can use to rescue the generations that are going to come after them. For parents in the room, maybe you experience this. You take your baby to the doctor to get a shot. Now, you know something that the baby doesn't know at the doctor. You know that this shot will protect them, but it's also going to hurt. So the first time that you take a baby to the hospital, this shot actually hurts mom and dad more than it hurts the baby. But the second time that you take the same baby to the hospital to get the shot, it's the baby knows what's coming now. And the baby starts to scream bloody murder because they know this shot is going to hurt. It's just part of the world that we live in that I have to protect my child against disease. I have to vaccinate my child. Basically, evil has spread across the human race faster and deeper than COVID. Everybody is entirely impacted by it. But as a parent, did you ever stop and ask the question, Why do I have to live in a world where there are diseases and my child needs shots? Why do I have to live in a world where I have to hurt my child to help my child prevent them from getting a disease? Why does that kind of world exist in the first place? Because as I read the Bible, that's not the world that God created. That's the world that we created, and the only fix is for God to step in and God to do something to rescue this messed up world that we've created. So in Genesis chapter 6, we are introduced for the first time to a pure heart and a family that God can use to rebuild the whole human race. 
You see, as God looks down from heaven, he says, there's no fixing this. There's no slight changes that I can make. I'm going to have to start all over again. And I need you to hear it from me one more time, church. That flood is not God's way of punishing. It's God's way of protecting future generations from the kind of evil that we're reading about in Genesis chapter 5. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, God, I want you to use me to protect future generations of my family. My parents didn't do such a great job. Maybe yours did. Maybe you came from a, 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 a background where there was no real faith whatsoever. You can be the pure uh, person that will help straighten out some branches on a crooked family tree. Maybe you would be willing to say, I want the Lord's favor on my family and I'm going to be pure and I'm going to follow God like Noah did so that my family will look different than everybody else's around me. If that's you, in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. But I've been thinking about this Crazy, crazy, or this phrase, I just created a word that doesn't exist. This word crazy that we've been using today, this natural desire to call the shots in your life, to decide, I know what God says, but I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to believe what I want. I'm going to act the way that I want. And God, even you can't stop me. That kind of insanity says, God, I will be in charge, not you. And that kind of crazy, that kind of insanity led to the flood that we're going to read about next in the book of Genesis. So maybe what you're realizing is, God, I need you to do a hard reset on my heart. I can't fix what's wrong inside of there, and it keeps wanting to chase after wrong. It, I, I am so tempted to do wrong that I'm not strong enough to overcome that temptation. God, I need you to fix my heart so that I can stand strong against that temptation. And if that's you, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us today. So would you just bow your heads with me and would you just let me pray over you right now? We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.